Welcome back to Confessing on the Couch, a podcast where we host a weekly conversation about mental health topics through a Jewish lens. I'm Ash, and I use they, she pronouns. I'm an eating disorder and trauma therapist who specializes in the Jewish community and weight stigma. I have lived experience of an eating disorder and childhood trauma, and I do community advocacy work for the Jewish community and fat positivity. And I'm Lore. I'm clearly sick today. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a mental health and suicide prevention advisor to high schools with a professional background in special education and equity work. My personal background is in fighting anti-Semitism, advocating for fat and body liberation, and eating disorder and addiction recovery through the lens of my personal experience. All right, let's roll the intro. today's episode, we will be unpacking our last episode that we hosted on intergenerational trauma with Ben M. Freeman. The topics we covered with Ben are huge and complex, so we wanted to give ourselves another opportunity to expand on the conversation that we started last week. In order to give ourselves the space that we need, we won't be having a guest today, and Laura and I will just be bouncing off of one another, and I'm sure we won't run out of things to cover. And rather than having a designated call-in portion of the pod, if there's a topic that we're speaking on that resonates with you, please feel free to call in anytime. Content warning, this topic may lend itself to some triggering information, so please be cognizant of your well-being and take breaks if you need them. As always, please remember that this podcast does not take the place of medical or mental health care from a clinician or provider. Reach out to professionals if you need support. So, Ash, how are you doing this week? I'm doing all right. Um, I mean, I know I was really sick two weeks ago, and now you're sick, so it's just just a lot of sick up in here. <laughs> I will say two different sicks. I true. I, while I understand that people can get COVID again, and many people have, and I still take it very seriously, I do have three negative COVID tests because I freaked out so hard when I woke up <laughs> feeling the way that I did. So, I don't blame you. Um, I, I was like, no, not like this. It's too soon because I was not sick all that long ago. Well, right. You were sick in like December. So yeah, that was. Yeah, January, December January. to January. It was like an ongoing situation, but. Uh... Well, right. I mean, I, I was sick. I mean, I guess it's been almost a month now since we were in Israel. Yeah, it's April 11th. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I'm still like phlegmy and like nasally and bleh. so um it's definitely a long healing process from covid for sure can you believe it's been almost a month since we were in israel like you just said that and it struck something with me because it does not feel like it's been a month in fact like maybe this will take us into a one of our topics that we had wanted yeah. to discuss today but like recent events in israel you know have I'm like, I was there yesterday and it wasn't yesterday, but also was yesterday, you know, like it, it just feels so, um, I no longer have the ability to, um, feel removed from Mm. Israel. I mean, I haven't felt removed from Israel in a very long time. Sure. Um, but like the attack on, at Dizengoff, like we were there together. Yeah less than a month ago 
where like that on that in that place. like literally right there. right there. um like i was yeah. looking at the images and i was like oh that's where ash and i were mm-hmm. the day we got on our flight mm-hmm. um so you know i i've been sitting with that and noticing how how that feels and it obviously ties into our overarching theme of intergenerational trauma absolutely i mean i i think you know when when we had our conversation with Ben, things were still unfolding on yet another terror attack in mm-hmm. Israel. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, we wanted to talk about it a little bit, of course, because we wanted to acknowledge it, but we also didn't want to dive too deep just because we weren't really sure about everything was going on. And I mean, still, I would say, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time kind of following the news and mm-hmm. figuring out which news sources to trust and like, whose biases to to really call out like did you see like the guardian um Mm -hmm. headline thing um so do you want to recap it or do you want me yeah um i mean for those listening and you know i'm assuming we have a mostly jewish listener base um that's certainly our target audience though others are welcome to listen to this podcast on jewish mental health if it interests them um (laughs) but uh yeah, so it's not new information to most Jews that, um, you know, media headlines when it pertains to Israel is are, are just extremely, extremely biased, um, that the Western media will cover what it wants to cover, and it will always, always paint Israel as um, a perpetrator of harm. So when the, um, when the ongoing situation in Tel Aviv um, was happening, the ongoing terror attack. The Guardian, um, a UK-based media source, puts out a headline that reads something like, and I probably can look it up fairly quickly, but it reads something like, like Israeli forces, like, kill Palestinian in Tel Aviv, like something yeah. skewed like that. It was slightly less terrible than that, but it was pretty much no, there. No, I think it was pretty um, much there. <laughs> it was pretty much there. And it was like, this isn't new. Um, certainly something we've seen a million times. Um, they did ultimately change the headline after a yes. lot of online Jewish activists um, really called upon them to examine their words. Um, I don't necessarily believe this is indicative of any larger change coming from The Guardian. Um, It was surprising to see the headline change, and I'm also glad that it did. Yeah. And sorry, I was not very visually distracted. There's something going on outside. But um, when we were talking, you were just talking about media we were talking about the guardian specifically right but but the larger context is media skewing not only things that happen in israel but just things that happen in the jewish community as mm-hmm. well like mm-hmm. i'm thinking about you know um new york during this was around covid there was an outbreak of i don't recall what um but in any case, they like focus very heavily on on the Orthodox Jewish Orthodox Jewish community mm-hmm. and and like their contribution to that. And it was very um, what's the word anti-Semitic in nature um, and just factually incorrect. Factually um, yeah. That it just it just is such a tiny tiny population yeah. um, within the greater context of New York City, yeah. and also a population that largely exist within their own community right 
um, and does not have a lot of, yeah, a very insular community. And it's just, uh, you know, for a million reasons, it was right. so frustrating to see. Yes. And so I, I bring that up too, just to sort of, because again, you know, we're talking about intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. And of course, part of that is the violence that we experience as a community, right? And or the silence in response to that mm-hmm. violence, right? But more in that realm, right? The response to when anti-Semitic attacks happen, like in Texas a couple of months ago, like how things are framed, I think, and, and, and really not how they're framed, but how they're minimized and mm-hmm. um, covered in a way that minimizes them. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, that's a trauma in and of itself, right? If you think about from like a therapy perspective, we often talk about how someone sharing their story of trauma and how it's received can either re-traumatize a person or can help them to heal. And when your trauma is minimized and people don't hear you, they don't listen, it, it literally can re-traumatize you. And I'm just thinking about, you know, that angle, right? Not only just like withstanding like continued attacks on our personhood, but then as the world watches how they talk about it and having to, to bear that as well. Right. And that, you know, in the context of intergenerational trauma, the history of that for the Jewish people that, you know, media is just another manifestation of everything that you're saying. And social media is just another manifestation Mm -hmm. of that. You know, how information is shared has Mm -hmm. changed over the millennia of persecution that Jews have faced. Um, But nonetheless, you know, the refusal to stand up for Jews is as loud as ever. And, you know, we carry the weight of that through history. We carry the silence of, Mm -hmm. you know, I personally carry the silence of my grandmother's story. We spent a fair amount of time with Ben discussing intergenerational trauma as it relates to the Holocaust. And I'm a third generation survivor and my grandmother, thank God, is still with us. Um, But I, I carry the weight of the impact of silence in the Shoah and how that led, you know, to (laughs) the mass murder of our people, right? It led to the extinction of half the world's Jewish population. Like it just killed it. Hmm. So I I had to say it's just, it almost feels like another symptom of the same problem. No, you're not wrong. I think it's just, you know, in, one, in some ways, this podcast is a way for us to explore these subjects, not as experts, but as people who are um, discovering them for ourselves, right? And so one of the things we were talking about with Ben is the different kinds of trauma. And I'm wondering if it helps, if it, if it is helpful to think about the different kind of tendrils, the different types of trauma that might mm-hmm. be experienced, right, from direct violence to, you know, passive, um, well, how passive is it really? But passive acceptance that, you know, gives way to reality that we live in. I mean, I'm even thinking of it in the context of um, abuse dynamics, right? Like the way that an abuser minimizes what they're doing and manipulates and I don't know. My, my brain's going lots of different directions, but I'm just, I guess I'm just wondering if, if we, if 
you, we feel that it's helpful to try and differentiate the different kinds of traumatic experiences that the community experiences as a whole. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. And I also, you know, find myself wondering if the reason our brains are going into, you know, all of mm. these different directions is because intergenerational trauma and those tendrils that you mentioned, they do grab us in different ways that we're yeah. branching into different directions because different pieces of us are being activated by mm -hmm. that pain, different memories, different feelings, and different ultimately ways of experiencing intergenerational trauma, whether that's, you know, psychosomatic or, um, you know, just something you didn't even necessarily know was something you were holding to be true, but you realize that it is that I, you know, yeah. we have these visceral experiences. Please excuse my sniffling. As I said earlier, mm -hmm. I am sick. Um, but we have these, you know, raw visceral experiences that often we feel we can't explain. And then intergenerational trauma appears to be at the root of any explanation we try to reach. So, you know, mm -hmm. I definitely think there's something to be said for that. And I just want to validate that, like, it's not, I don't think it's that we're going off on different tangents. I think it's mm -hmm. different pieces of us, you know, different pieces of our souls are being awakened by intergenerational trauma. Yeah. I was just like, I was observing my mind, like propaganda, like abuse dynamics, <laughs> like it, it, like, it just like kept, you know, um, mm -hmm. anyway, but you know, obviously a lot of that is kind of the heavier side of things. Right. But you know, when Ben was on, we did our discussion about intergenerational trauma really gave way to this discussion about Jewish joy and Jewish yes. resistance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just wanted to kind of check in with you about that. You know, I certainly had a pretty, um, uh, I would say like uh, hopeful reaction when, mm -hmm. with a lot of what Ben was sharing, um, you know, and, and I think that happens a lot. Like, you know, you scroll through social media and you just feel really upset and like nothing can ever be good for the community. Right. Doom scrolling. You, right. Doom scrolling. Right. And then you check in with like people in your community, in your Jewish community who you, you know, have values in common with and who think like you do. And it's like, damn, like, maybe we'll be okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And I so. even often feel that way coming out of our episode recordings, just, you know, yeah. I, if nothing else, this podcast is a weekly check-in for me sure. with someone who I'm values aligned with in the Jewish community and someone I trust, but I absolutely hear what you're saying. You know, Ash and I, when we um, got off our recording call with Ben and Freeman um, last week, last Thursday, you know, we we were discussing in post just how healing that conversation was for us because of, I think, the pivot that we took towards Jewish joy um, while the ongoing situation in Tel Aviv was ongoing. And, right. you know, while Jews around the world were waiting with bated breath still to hear from loved ones um, and still to see how various news outlets would report and skew um, what was going on and what the ramifications of that would be. So, you know, I think that it was a much needed um, pivot in that conversation. And I actually, um, I want to find the line that I wrote down. It's going to take me a second, but like there was a line that so stood out to me from 
our conversation with Ben. I'll have it in like a moment. Um, it's it's I moved it onto the, the new document. Gotcha. Yeah, no, just this conversation, it was something Ben said, this conversation is an act of resistance. When we are actively Jewish, it is an act of resistance. And I like took that with me into the weekend. I took mm. that with me and I, I took that with me into Shabbat. I just held that to be true. Um, and I also said in that episode that in a way that almost defies reason, we are still here. And I think I needed those resiliency reminders. And when I said that last Thursday, you know, it, not a ton of time has passed between last episode and this episode. We bumped mm -hmm. up our episode this week because of conflicts that I have later in the week. But not a ton of time has passed. And I'm just, you know, even rereading these words, they're hitting me. Like, you know, I'm like, I, I really, I'm having a reaction again. Um, because I think it can be so easy to what you, your point, Ash, it can be so easy to doom scroll and to yeah. get, you know, and to get wrapped up in the, the truth yeah. of millennia of persecution and to feel right. that weight um, bogging you down in the day to day. And ultimately, you know, that's what the Jewish pride movement is, is about, you know, the resistance that is purely just existing in spite of that. Yeah. Well, and something, you know, Ben said too, right? When you're actively Jewish, it is an mm -hmm. act of resistance, right? What does it mean to be actively Jewish, right? As mm. two people whose relationship with their Jewishness has evolved over time, what does that mean for you? Okay, massive question. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think you just, I think you just said a piece of it is that, you know, my relationship with being Jewish has evolved so much over time. Um, and in particular in the last, I would say five years, um, is when, you know, I've really come into my own and my exploration of what my Jewish identity is and what it means to me. Um, but to me being actively Jewish is holding belief and pride in what makes me me mm. holding on to the history of our people um as a reminder that there is nothing that i can't survive like it's mm. not to say that i'm invincible um i'm certainly not i'm a human i'm fallible um, and I'm certainly mortal. Um, my my uh, ongoing chronic health issues over time have <laughs> reminded me of that more often than is comfortable. But I I do really hold on to being Jewish as kind of like a little extra superpower. Mm. Like it 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 empowers me to show up stronger to understand that I am in this moment because my ancestors survived and fought to make it so I could be. Mm -hmm. It brings so much more meaning to my life to recognize that and to understand that that's even just in living memory that my grandmother's survival, it all happened so that I could meet this moment, whatever the moment is. And to me, that's what being actively Jewish is. I have a relationship with, you know, Judaism as religion. Um, 
And I don't necessarily feel that it has to be a part of being actively Jewish, you know, that those things coexist for me, but they certainly don't for everyone. And I don't think that religion is a prerequisite um, to being actively Jewish. So I just, you know, feel so strongly that I am meant to be here Mm. and staying grounded in that and keeping that as my holding that as my truth in the day to day is what it means to be actively Jewish to me. Mm. Loved all that. Thank you. What does it mean for you? (laughs) Yeah, you turn around on me. Yeah, of course Um, I am. How how could you? I know. Um, I was thinking about it as you were answering. I mean, I definitely echo everything that that you just said. I think I I couldn't have said any of that better myself. Um, So that. I also think that for me, when I think of being Jewish, it really isn't about I mean, obviously, like the customs and, and holidays, like all of those things matter to some degree to me. Like, th- it's not that they don't matter. But when I think about what it means to be actively Jewish, it's way more about just my, how I approach every day of my life. Like, you know, being thoughtful, holding a dialectic, being discerning, being patient, being intellectual, but not heady you know like be i don't know it's it's sort of like um how i picture the perfect rabbi i guess or like maybe it's more Mm. just like the rabbis i've interacted with like that their presence to me like that calming sort of like stoic gentleness i guess is the best way to, to describe it is very much to me what it means to be jewish and obviously mm. not everyone who's Jewish is like that. I'm not saying you have to be stoic to be Jewish. So I'm certainly not a stoic human most of the time. <laughs> I just, there's, there's this vibration, this energy, this like, I don't know. It's something that I feel every time I walk into a synagogue. It's something that I feel every time I, I, you know, do a holiday. Like there's just something about the language and the music and the culture and, and the feel of it all. That's very ancient and, holds so much wisdom and, and so much um, faith in in our own resiliency mm-hmm. despite everything, right? Um, yeah. mm. Sorry, I just got no alert to check my internet connection. I don't know what that was about. I about that, so I am not sure what that's about either i can hear you as well so So all right right now we don't need to (laughs) troubleshoot any of that so um but thank you for sharing that with me i think you know you've sort of narrowed down a lot of what i was trying to say and you know Mm. as broader concepts that you know also just this idea of like I'm working on a post right now. This is going to mm. sound like a pivot, but like I'm working on a post right no, now. It's a tangent, it, not a pivot. And uh, <laughs> it's fair. It's a tangent, not a pivot. Should be the motto of my life. Everything is a tangent. Um, it's a tangent, not a pivot. Maybe that should be a sticker. I it's feel a like tangent, that's, a, not that's a sticker in the making. Oh man, um, I'm writing it down. <laughs> but <laughs> as you should. Um, but. I was working on a post and, you know, this post is going to center peace. And, you know, I'm thinking about some things that I wrote 
Drews, I associate peace with listening to understand, not to respond. And I associate peace with connection. And I associate peace with freedom. I associate peace with a true sense of one's own values. And I'm realizing that I can substitute being Jewish with peace in every single one of those. I associate being Jewish with listening to understand and not to respond. I associate being Jewish with connection. I associate being Jewish with freedom. And I associate being Jewish with a true sense of my own values, which by the transitive property, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. someone who paid attention in math class, you take that with a grain of salt, <laughs> it may have been the wrong property. Um, and I by I pay attention, I mean, I, I did pay it. attention. I tried my hardest and I am neurodivergent and math is not math my, is not my not class. Not um, but I think by the transitive property, um, that means I associate being Jewish with peace. Which how could you not? I mean, shalom, hello, goodbye, peace. Peace, right. Like, that's, I mean, really, like, it, it sounds hokey, but, like, that is exactly what it is. I think about the timeline of, I, I shared just a few minutes ago that, like, the last five years or so for me have been um, this period of time in which I've been examining and reimagining what it means to be Jewish for me um, and accepting that as my truth and living that as my truth. And I think about the timeline of my recovery as it pertains to my eating disorder and as it pertains to um, various pieces of my mental health and and my physical health journey and where that landed. And I would have to be willfully ignorant not to recognize the overlap in my timeline. you know, and I and I knew that to an extent. Um, you know, I I've often I've spoken before about um, you know having found my faith in part because of um, because of my mental health journey, and in particular some of my lowest lows. Um, but I don't know that it's ever been so clear to me as it has been in the last couple of weeks, like that the last five years for me have been nothing short. Oh no, I'm going to cry. Oh Oh, no, I'm going to cry. I really don't want to. I'm very congested. Um, I'm trying to use humorous deflection because I really don't want to do it. It's going to make the rest of my day miserable, but I am very emotional. Um, Mm. The last five years for me have been nothing short of transformational. I've, been through a metamorphosis mm-hmm. at the same time I was figuring out who I am so for all of that to be happening concurrently right you know it stands to reason that it wasn't happening um you know in silos from each other but rather that it was part of this one yeah. giant beautiful messy process that mm-hmm. has led me to this moment and as I said earlier I really fully and fundamentally believe that our people's survival was so that I could experience this moment, which probably sounds like really self-centered and narcissistic, (laughs) but I believe that can be held by anyone who's here to be experiencing it. Mm -hmm. So I believe I'm here to further, you know, to kunalam, like to repair the world and 
that this podcast is one small piece of my footprint and how I can do that. Um, And so are all the other things I try to do in a day. So I just, you know, when I think about Jewish resilience and when I think about everything that my family has been through and that my people as a whole have been through, I really just believe, I believe that it's all, it's all with the purpose of, um, of creating the now. Thank you for sharing that. As you were saying it, I I wanted to finish your sentence with the word magic. Mm. Magic. I believe we are magic. I think we've used that word a couple of times, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's funny that it keeps coming up, especially, I mean, we haven't obviously even begun to touch on any of this, but sort of the (laughs) the witchier aspects of Jewishness and, um, you know, just some of that more like cultural stuff, I think can, can really be healing and, and, you know, Kabbalah like is literal magic. Like it's Jewish mysticism. It's Jewish mysticism. I think it's, it's, there's a lot there and I connected, I have connected much more to Jewish mysticism than like formal. Yeah. Many Um, people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just because of how much Christian hegemony has like taken over some of the ways that like even Jews practice. Mm -hmm. Um, there was something else that you said that I wanted to pull in. I'm not sure. You said so much. And thank you for, you know, being vulnerable with us. Obviously, I don't wish more congestion upon you, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what happens, happens. My ancestors yeah. survived so that I can survive this congestion. Exactly. <laughs> this moment. This challenge. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Yeah. So just this, this tie in of your eating disorder recovery your mental health recovery, if that's the right word for it. Um, and you know, your exploration of your, your Jewishness, you know, at some point we will be doing an episode on eating disorders as intergenerational trauma in the Jewish Mm -hmm. community. We do not have time to go into this right now. However, it feels appropriate to say, I think that, you know, for many of us, maybe not all, but for many of us who struggle with eating disorders and who are Jewish, there's actually so much with our identity that I think propels the eating disorder um, Mm -hmm. or, or becomes a factor in the eating disorder. Right. And so, and I mean, I don't know, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, a lot of my eating disorder was driven by wanting to be the white European beauty ideal. I wanted to be that. And so much of my healing was realizing that I never could be because that's not who I was. Mm-hmm. And being okay with who I was, which was a process of, you know, not only making peace with certain things I wasn't, you know, happy with or whatever, but but also of like embracing my culture of being a Jew, my ethnicity of being a Jew, my, um, my, you know, the the things that I carry in my genes because I'm a part of this community Mm -hmm. coming to terms with all of the physicality of being right. Mm -hmm. Right. Coming to terms with all of that was such a huge part of my recovery. And I think really allowed me to let go of all of a lot, not all, but a lot of the things that had been driving my eating disorder in the first place. So I just really resonated with that. And and I wanted to kind of pop that in there before we moved too far. No, I, I appreciate it. And like Ash said, you know, there is going to be an episode that we do on that. 
knowing us, there's going to be multiple episodes that we do on that because we're going to not be able to fit it into one episode. You'll notice this is also a two-parter. We have this habit of taking on really big, complex topics and then having to do a part two. Um, We're working on it. And maybe a part three, maybe a part four. Um, Get used to it. We're here. Um, That's how it's going to go. But, you know, all of that to say, like, I mean, you're absolutely right. And it ties into, you know, an episode we've, two episodes we've already done, right? Actually, three. Mm. Uh, Both White Stigma and the Jewish Community episodes, one with Mm -hmm. our guest uh, and one that we processed on our own. And anti-Semitism in um, eating disorder treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, something that came up for me, as you said, what you just said um, was, you know, and we've recognized the reality of anti-Semitism and eating disorder treatment. So how how do we reconcile that? You know, how do we reconcile those two things um, with, you know, what appears to be a uniquely Jewish experience that requires sensitivity? Yes, 100%. I was actually thinking about working on a post about, like, how to be culturally responsive and culturally sensitive for eating disorder treatment in the Jewish community. It's a very long, wordy title, but I'm trying to figure out how to (laughs) whittle it down. But basically that, because there is, there's, there's such a role that, that our Jewishness plays in this for us, I I believe, for most of us, not, not all, but most. And, you know, without, without, not only without addressing it, but actively perpetuating it, right? right. <laughs> In a treatment setting, like, it is a, it's a fucking problem. Mm-hmm. But all of that to say, it all comes back to um, eating disorders as intergenerational trauma. And, right. you know, we, you know, we definitely went down that tangent. But as Ash said, we, you know, are not going to make a whole episode out of it right now, though that one is coming. Um, but it's important, you know, I appreciate you uplifting the role that reconnecting with my Jewish identity has played, you know, in my recovery. And we'll definitely expand on that further when we get to that episode. Yeah. So, okay. I'm looking at the time, obviously, you know, we touched on a bunch of things today, um, and definitely have some real time reactions, anything you kind of need to process before we close out. No, this one flew for me, you know, yeah. this one, I, I don't know if it's just like, I came into this space today, like not totally sure I was wanting to record, not feel, you know, not feeling well. It's a Monday. I've got a huge hectic week ahead of me. Um, and like last week where I would say I also came into that space, not, you know, feeling my best because I was so anxious and processing, you know, waiting with bated breath, you know, as I was speaking to friends in Tel Aviv, I was speaking with family in Tel Aviv, you know, just processing everything that was going on in real time regarding the terror attack in Tel Aviv and the ongoing events in Israel. In both of these conversations these last several weeks, I have come in not feeling sure that I was, you know, ready to rise to what's ultimately a challenge to have, you know, deep conversations um, when you're not in the best headspace. And both times I have found myself, you know, healing in real time um, and just not rising to it as a challenge, but responding to it as 
um, just the beautiful energy that it calls and the beautiful energy that you give. And I'm just, you know, I find myself as we continue this project, I find myself increasingly grateful for this space. So that's, that's it. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Well, it's funny, actually, I, I, I've not been feeling super great either. I was sick and I'm having some GI stuff go on, but you know, I came on to, that's all right. It happens. But, um, I came on as well, kind of feeling blah and, you know, not, not certainly not energized. Um, and a little doubtful that I'd be able to produce anything of substance for this conversation. And yet we did fine. So, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, continually and pleasantly surprised at just how well we can carry into conversation. We just talk and talk and talk. It's because we're Jewish. Our, <laughs> our ancestors survived so that we could talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and talk <laughs> so that we could fetch on the couch. Yes. And with that, I'm going to take us out. <laughs> take us out. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. For coming back if you have come back for um you know checking us out for the first time if this is your first time here at kvetching on the couch as a reminder we use this space to talk about difficult subjects and so please take care of yourself uh do some you know coping skills do some self-care uh and make sure that you and your loved ones are feeling supported Absolutely. And especially, um, you know, we will be having an episode during Pesach, but this is, you know, now our episode leading into Pesach, which starts Friday evening. Um, So just sending a little extra love and warmth and, you know, all of those springtime vibes and intergenerational traumas and also the theme of Passover. I don't really it know very it is. Much is. Yeah. You know, so very much we, is. Uh, we will be having an episode that, um, you know, centers Pesach that Ash will talk more about in a bit. But I just wanted to add, you know, holidays can also be hard from the lens that, you know, Ash and I um, have shared about our personal and professional lenses. We know that holidays can be hard. So if you're hearing this going into Pesach, just know that we see you. Um, I'm just wishing you all the best with that too. We hope that this conversation was validating, enlightening, or at the very least interesting for those of you listening. Yeah, absolutely. And just to echo, you know, what Laura was saying, I've been seeing people on social media, like cleaning for Passover. And I'm just like, oh my God, thank God I don't do that. Like, you know, if you have kids, oh my God, my, my heart goes out to you. Like, please preserve your energy. Uh, You know, there's a lot to do for Passover. (laughs) And Um, I'm sorry. And one more important reminder that like, I feel like it has to be said as, you know, to eating disorder survivors and your eating disorder therapist. Pikuach nefesh. Preserve your life. Jewish Mm -hmm. life is so important. Life is preserved above all else. This is Jewish law. Um, Mm -hmm. If you should not be keeping Passover, in deference to your eating disorder, to support your eating disorder recovery, Jewish law supports you. Do what you need to do for you. You don't have to answer to anyone because that is Jewish law. You've got you've got the, all the backup you need. Yes, Meet thank needs. you for that. Definitely a reminder we all need. Definitely a reminder I often talk about around Passover, around high holidays, any any holidays that have you know food restrictions as a part of the. Um, 
part of the rituals. Uh, and definitely something we should touch on with our guest who will be with us next week. I'm very mm-hmm. excited that Roots Metals, aka Debbie, will be joining us to talk about uh, specifically, we wanted to talk about decolonizing Jewish identity because of Passover. Uh, but also would definitely love to talk with her about, you know, eating disorders and, and stuff like that. If, if we get to it, um, I know mm-hmm. that Debbie has some, has some stuff to share, uh, you know, in, in the mental health realm as well. So you can come fetch with us about that on Thursday, April 21st, live at 7 p.m. And as always, this episode recording will be posted on the Colin app on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts in a few hours. You can keep up with me and Ash on social media. My handle is at the Healing Happy Cook, and you can find Ash at, at Bad Ash Therapy. All information will be provided in the comments section of the episode. A big thank you to January Sunshine for all of the music provided in this episode, and the biggest of thank yous to those of you who joined us today. On the couch. Have a great week, everyone. Have a great week.